Oh, how he loves us. Because of a father's love. Because of a son's grace. And because of the power of the Holy Spirit, your sins are forgiven. As I was looking over the text for this week and thinking over the theme, I was kind of thinking, well, this kind of seems like a rerun. I think we've kind of done this before going through this Soulful Songs of Summer series. Kind of the same theme has been done before. So what's going on here and why are we here again? And maybe some of you who haven't been here every week have missed that. So it's important that you get that because I think this is the most essential thing for us as followers of Jesus. And what, as I, as I meditated on it, as I thought about it, the thing that I came to is that this is sometimes a hard thing for us to grasp. So here's the question. Do you believe it? Do you believe in the songs that we've sung, those words that reflect the words of Scripture that overwhelmingly speak of the surpassing love of God for you? Do you believe it? Do you believe it not only in your head, but also in your heart? And does it translate into your life? You see, I think sometimes we're good at head knowledge, but then there's this stop, this something that keeps us from taking that next step, from it going from our head to trickling down into our hearts to translating into our everyday lives as God's people. And as I thought about this being a rerun, I was like, it needs to be a rerun. We need to hear this again because this is the most important journey for us as followers of Jesus to make, to get it from our heads to our hearts and into our lives. I was reminded of those words uh, this morning as we were singing, uh, the words that we read uh, last week going through our series, words from Philippians. These aren't on the slide, so don't worry about it. Uh, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any, com- any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness or compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. In other words, this faith thing that we have, this believing in Jesus thing, is supposed to transform who we are, transform our minds, transform our hearts, transform our lives. So here's some things that I know about me. I know that I have no rhythm. I can tap my toe, but I cannot clap my hands. And so if I have to clap my hands, I cannot sing because I have to focus too hard. So I would love to clap, Marco, wherever you went. I can't. It's a bad idea because people around me will laugh and you'll wonder what's happening. I know that gravity keeps me from dunking a basketball. I know that my girls need to go to bed at 8. And if they go to bed too early, they will wake up before the sun. And if they go to bed too late, then I will regret it all day long. These are things that I know that affect the way that I live, that affect the way that I do things. But does that all-surpassing love of God in Christ Jesus transform my life? See, that's the rub. Those other things affect the way that I do things, but does the, the love of Jesus affect the way that I, as God's child, live?
So why is that? Paul had some words, some words in Ephesians, some words that were read just a moment ago that reflect kind of that problem that, that hangs on to us, that, that clings to us. And I'm going to share those words with you once again, and then I'll kind of think about what that might mean for us as we live out our lives and where some of those road bumps might be. From Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this rural world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Very theological words, very astute words about what, what hangs on to us, that, that fact of who we were before Christ found us. But, but the thing about that is, is that stuff kind of clings to us. Every day we got to wake up and remember that we've been made alive in Christ because that old nature that was part of us hangs on to us. When we get up, it gets up with us. And so what are some areas in our lives uh, that this might affect us in terms of how we respond to the gospel? The first one, I think this is, you know, an Orange County thing. Well, it's an everywhere thing, but more so perhaps in Orange County, and that is success and accomplishment seems to drive our culture. Uh, more than anywhere else that I've lived, Orange County is driven by success and accomplishment and glitz and glamour and who has the better stuff. And so it's, it's performance over relationship. And we live in a culture that is constantly telling us, well, you need to try harder. And the problem with that is that a try harder culture stands in opposition to a grace-filled culture. And so when we live a try-harder life, it gets in the way of us living a grace-filled life. And when we live like that, doing trumps being, and doing neglects feeling. And when we live in the world in a way like that, where we're always after doing the next thing, getting the next thing done, and moving forward, what happens is we end up disconnected from our bodies, from our emotions, and from the people that God has placed in our lives. The next thing is fear. Now, what would my life look like if I really believed God's love down to my bones? What might God ask me to do with my life? I might have to give up being in charge and being in control. It might mean that I need to take the mask off and live authentically. It means that I need to live a, a grace-filled, forgiving life and take life lightly and myself a little bit less seriously. And I don't know about you, but that can kind of be a scary thought. You know, that's one of the reasons that we do life groups, because it's easy to come to church. And this was one of my problems. I grew up in the church. My dad, a director of Christian education, I can count on one hand the number of times I've missed a Sunday morning service. And you go to church and you put on the mask. 
the I'm okay, everything's fine, life is good, I follow Jesus mask. And yet that's not where we are each and every day of our lives. Life gets messy. And we need people in our lives to speak to the real place where we live and not the mask that we wear. And that's scary. That's why we need people in our lives like we have in life groups to walk alongside of us to, to know what's really going on and to be able to speak God's words of grace in a way that we can hear them. And the next is that sometimes that old sinful self, we kind of prefer sin. I'm not talking about anything insidious, anything bad. I'm talking about, for us as people, our love for comfort and security and safety and satisfaction. Because we like that. We like a comfortable life. And when those become things that we serve, when those become our aim and our goal in life, what creeps up in our hearts and our lives is anger and anxiety and despair. Because those things become all powerful for us. And then finally, it's the lies. The lies that break into our hearts and into our lives and tell us that we are unworthy that we don't deserve God's love, the lies that, that say if you work hard enough, if you try hard enough, if you obey all the rules, then God will love you. Those are lies that sometimes other people have told us, lies that sometimes run on repeat in our heads. And sometimes those are lies that the enemy speaks to us. <laughs> My favorite story on this heard it probably when I, about 20 years ago, but it's a story that stuck with me. Uh, Don Bartlett, a macaroni at midnight. He grew up a hard life, was kind of a foster kid, and uh, that's one of the things that touches me so much about our, you know, adopting of that ministry and saying, this is one of the things that St. John's were going to do, is that that story has had an impact on me for over 20 years. And, and see, he grew up like that, and he lived a really broken life, and he finally kind of comes through it all, and he gets up on a stage in front of a bunch of Christians and talks about how God's love reached him. And he gives the speech, and the entire audience stands up and starts applauding. And they don't stop. And so he kind of takes a step back because this is his first time in front of anybody, and they keep applauding. So he takes another step back. And it keeps on going, and he takes another step back, and he steps off of the back of a six-foot stage. And he says, that's when Satan showed up again. And he wagged that bony finger in my face and said, see, I told you. I told you I'm unworthy. I told you that you're nothing. I told you that you don't deserve any of this love and compassion. And Don said... That's when I reached up and broke his bony finger. <laughs> and then he threw one leg up on the stage and rolled back up onto the stage as gracefully as anybody can roll back up onto a six-foot stage. And the applause began again as God's people showered him in love. Sometimes you need to reach up and break the bony finger. The reading continues. But God... But God, 
But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. You're loved not because of who you are, but because of who God is. He looks down at you, and no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your heart and in your life, God sees you as a person of infinite and surpassing value. But that is a hard thing for us as people to grasp. In a world of performance, in a world of who's better and who's best, it's a hard thing for us to grab onto, and so we need Jesus to rewire our hearts and flip on the power. Flip on the power so that we can truly understand who we are by God's grace as a child of God, forgiven and free. So Paul prays. And Paul's prayer is different. I know that it's not like a lot of the prayers that I pray and just hear these words, these words that were read so beautifully just a moment ago from Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, you may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Powerful words. He prays for power, not to get through the momentary struggles of life that we face, but he prays for power. Power that we may be able to grasp this all-surpassing love which God has for us. So where do you think you are? Do you know God's love up here? Do you know God's love here? Has the love of God translated into your daily life? You know, my experience of this process is that it's not clean. It's not like A, B, C, and we go. You know, it's not you do one, then the next, then the next, and it just kind of all happens in order. It's a messy and unclean process. So how do we get that information? those powerful words of forgiveness from our heads down to our hearts and into our lives. What do you think it would look like if you really believed that truth, if that truth of Jesus' love became real for you in such a way that it translated into how your heart reacted to what was going on in the world around you and translated into the very things that you did? What might your life look like? as the love and grace of God in Christ Jesus transforms your head and your heart and your life. You know, 
have little girls. And so it kind of reminds me of the movie Tangled. You know this scene that I'm talking about, right? The scene where, where Rapunzel comes down from the tower. She comes down from the tower, disobeys Mother Gospel, Gothel, and not Gospel. Wow, that was a Freudian slip. Mother Gothel, and, and she's out there, and she is fearful, and then frolicking, guilty, and then exuberant. And I think that's kind of what this kind of life might look like for us. Because Jesus' love for us is absolutely scandalous. Jesus doesn't love us any less when we yell at our kids, when we're a terrible person to our neighbor. In fact, I think he loves us more. Because that's when we as people need more love, isn't it? That's when our kids need more love. When things are going terrible and wrong in their lives, that's when they need the most love. And I think our God knows that about us too. What would it look like if we dropped our masks and lived life free, entered into relationships, stepped away from the doing and the busyness, and entered into relationship with the people that God has placed around us? I think we'd see our lives are probably a little bit more of a mess than we like to make them out to be. But I think we'd also see Jesus in the middle of that mess. See, I think we miss out on the abundant life. Miss out on the abundant life and we settle for a cheap one. When our hearts don't believe and our lives don't reflect what our heads know to be true. Oh, how he loves us. We respond to God's amazing grace by once again praising him and singing of this all-surpassing love, which changes our heads, our hearts, and our lives by his grace. Amen.